Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. I'm ready to assume a bigger role. I mean, last year it was, for me to describe it, it was a start. Uh, and that, that's pretty much the best way I can describe it. It's something to build on, it's a starting point, and we're just going to build from there. And of course, like I said, I'm ready for, you know, take on a bigger role and help my team in a, in a bigger way. That was the voice of Raiders' second year wide receiver, Henry Ruggs III, talking today over at at the Raiders practice facility in Henderson, Nevada. It was a hot, and I mean hot, hot, scorching hot day. Even though practice started at 10.30 a.m., it was blazing hot uh, this morning uh, over in Henderson. And uh, I give those guys a lot of credit, uh, the players and coaches and everybody else that was out there uh, for sticking with it uh, in spite of some intense, intense heat. Uh, that was Henry Ruggs uh, talking about a bigger role going into his sophomore season, his second season uh, with the Raiders, uh, understanding that, hey, look, you know, um, still did some good things for the Raiders last year. It might not have showed up in terms of the numbers, the individual numbers, but Henry Ruggs absolutely had an impact uh, on the Raiders' offense last year. You saw how defenses defended uh, the Raiders, understanding his speed and the presence of his speed uh, and not wanting to get beat over the top by Henry Ruggs, so they structured their defense in a way that tried to take that away as much as possible. And in doing so, we talk about this all the time, you got to pick your poison as a defense sometimes. And that was the poison uh, that they decided to take out of the equation, but it opened things up for Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, and other wide receivers, Nelson Aguilar. Uh, so he did have an impact, even though the numbers didn't necessarily reflect it, by the way. Welcome to Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. on a Wednesday, a hot Wednesday here in Las Vegas. Uh, at that, uh, you're in the Hollywood, Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bonadour. Just got back, actually, uh, for the practice facility over watching today's um, uh, media portion of, of OTAs. Got a chance to really get a good look at some young players. Uh, we'll be talking about it throughout the show. If you have any calls, any thoughts, any observations, any questions... Give us a call at 702-365-9200. And, you know, talking to Henry Ruggs today and about the role that he hopes to have, the bigger role that he hopes to have, uh, you also can't lose sight. And the numbers are going to get better. Um, I, I, I feel like that's going to be an intent from the coaching staff to Derek Carr, right on down to Henry Ruggs. And obviously he has a similar responsibility on that as well in terms of making himself available, being more available, doing more things when he does get the football in his hands, all of which I expect to see here in his second year. But make no mistake, even with the amount of catches that he had and the amount of touches that he had, he did change a lot about this Raiders uh, offense. And here's Hunter Renko, his teammate, talking about exactly that. I think Henry's a great player. Um, I thought that last year, I mean, y'all didn't get to see all the things that he did. Um, 
you know, for everyone else, opening up the field for everyone else. What he's doing, you can't put a stat on. And what he did last year, you can't put a stat on. And that's kind of how we're trying to be as an offense. You know, it doesn't matter who has the yards, who has the catches, um, who has the touchdowns. We're one unit. And the best teams I've been on um, are exactly that. You know, you hear outside noise and, and that sort of deal. Of, you know, get to week eight and you don't have that many yards, that many catches. Um, but the good teams and great teams that I've been on, um, it doesn't matter because you're uh, – you're all going for the same goal, but Henry's been good, and, and I, you know, people ask me this offseason how Henry has been and things like that. And um, honestly, he's a great player in practice, and it's not it's not one thing where you know he's out there goofing around in practice and, um, and and kind of not getting better, but he he really is getting better every single day, and I see it every day. Um, same with Brian, so um, I'm excited about watching them too this year, um, and you know, win a bunch of games. That was Hunter Renfro, uh, the Raiders' third-year wide receiver, talking about Henry Ruggs and the impact that Henry Ruggs had, even though individually for Henry Ruggs it may not have looked uh, like all that. Uh, and Henry finished with 26 catches for 452 yards, a 17.4 yard per carry per catch uh, average, which isn't too shabby uh, whatsoever. Um, he also had two touchdowns. He had nine uh, rushes for 49 yards. When you look at those numbers and understand. You know, it happened in uh, 13 games. He had 12 starts. Uh, I know that he was also dealing with some injuries. Uh, I think there was sort of a delayed reaction when he did come back um, from from the knee injury that he that he suffered. Uh, there were some other, other leg issues as well. Uh, he wasn't 100 percent the moment he came back. He had to work his way uh, back toward that, and I think that that cost him a little bit as well. And we've talked about this a million times. Once that train leaves the station, it doesn't slow down for anybody. You got to catch up to it. And when you're hurt, you know it's going to take a little while to catch up to it. And by the time you do, especially as a rookie, you know now you got to find your way back into uh, the groove. You got to find your way back into um, you know the good, not necessarily the good graces with your quarterback or your coaches, but just kind of rebuild that confidence. Uh, that they have in you, especially for a young player. It's different when a Darren Waller now, who's established, goes out of the lineup. Uh, if that were to ever happen, when he would come back, if he's healthy, they're going right back to him uh, like he's, you know, uh, almost as if he hadn't uh, not missed any time because there's also, there's always, or there already is a, um, you know, level of confidence that the staff has in Darren Waller, the quarterback has in Darren Waller. He's a focal point. Henry Ruggs hasn't quite ascended to that level yet, obviously. Uh, it's partly on him to be able to develop that confidence a little bit more and find his niche a little bit more. And I fully expect that to happen. And if you start talking about, well, what is he capable of doing? You know, he had 26 catches last year for 452 yards. If you just double that up, um, you know, you're looking at you know, over 50 catches for over 900 yards um, and, you know, four or five touchdown uh, catches. That's just doubling it up, which shouldn't really be that hard to do for Henry Ruggs this year. I think there's going to be an intent um, and an objective to figure out better ways, more ways to get him touches, whether it's down the field, across the field, uh, bubble screens, fly sweeps, all of those type of things that are going to increase his, touch, his touches and his targets uh, and thus his production. But there's, there's, there's a, a, a very viable path 
for him to finish with more than 50 catches over 900 yards, um, you know, five or six touchdowns. It can, it can absolutely happen. And, and what a compliment that would be to somebody like a Darren Waller, but then also, you know, Brian Edwards, um, who we're going to hear about, uh, from, from Hunter here in a little bit as, as well. Uh, the second year wide receiver from South Carolina, uh, the newcomers, John Brown, Willie Sneed, Hunter Renfro himself, Zay Jones, um, who is on this team for a reason. And, you know, there's a lot of confidence and chemistry that he and Derek Carr have. Could this be a year where he kind of steps out a little bit? There's a lot of weapons on this uh, on, on this Raiders offense. And, and you know, we haven't even gotten into Josh Jacobs and, and Darren Waller, who absolutely is the focal point, was able to talk today. Uh, to, to Darren about Foster Moreau, uh, who I think looks tremendous uh, in shape, explosive, he's fluid out there. Um, and, you know, I, I know a lot of Raider fans was like, oh, Jason Witten took all his touches, all his all his snaps last year as if, you know, John Gruden was, you know, burying the young player in favor of a veteran. Well, it was more layered than that. It was more in-depth than that. You got to remember, you know, Foster Moreau got hurt in game, what, 14 or so, or game 13 of his rookie season. That's late in the season. Think about that. That's into this, into November right there, where he goes down with a serious knee injury. Um, the Raiders couldn't count on Foster Moreau being completely healthy, healthy by the start of training camp uh, last year. And they understood that it was going to be a process getting him back, getting him back fully healthy, getting him back into the swing of things. All of those things, especially, especially with all the buildings across the NFL, all the facilities across the NFL being completely shut down, it was hard to keep track of guys visually and getting them into the building and having the medical staff be able to take a look at them and the trainers be able to take a look at them. All of that was not available. So the Raiders created some insurance for themselves to buy Foster some time so that he wasn't going to get rushed into the action before he was completely healthy, or not completely healthy, but it's, there's, there's also a difference between, you know, health and good to go and, and having the green light from the doctors and being completely back, like literally being completely back. It's two different things. And so um, for Foster and the Raiders, hey, not a bad idea to have a Jason Witten as coverage to give Foster the necessary time uh, to get back healthy and to get back into the swing of things. Well, Jason Witten is no longer on the roster. Um, Foster Moreau, you look at Foster Moreau right now, out there in OTAs, he looks really good. Um, and so he's going to be another weapon. I think he's going to blossom this year, uh, actually. So, um, you know, it's, it's really interesting to see where this offense is right now and all the various weapons uh, that, the, that the offense has uh, and some young players and some new additions that we mentioned, John Brown and, and Willie Sneed and, and Kenyon Drake uh, and the reemergence of a Foster Moreau and the steps forward that maybe a Henry Ruggs should take, a Brian Edwards uh, should take. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're looking at um, a very good offense, an, even a different offense, and maybe a offense that um, could be, more efficient in certain areas of the field. We've talked about many times, you know, the, the red zone and uh, the Raiders sometimes inability to get the ball over the goal line 
for a touchdown. Uh, they settled too many times last year for field goals, which was actually a step in the right direction based on, you know, coming off 2019 where they continually shot their, 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 their selves in the foot in the red zone and came away with zero points. At least they were coming away with three points or seven points uh, last year, but they need to get those seven points up. They need to get um, that increased over the field goals. And part of that is going to be guys like Henry Ruggs. Part of that's going to be guys like uh, Brian Edwards. Part of that's going to be guys like, uh, Hunter Renfro and Kenyon Drake and Foster Moreau uh, and, and all this kind of coming uh, together. And one thing, and I asked uh, Henry about this, because remember, you know, when I spoke to Mike Mayock back in January at the Senior Bowl, one thing that he pointed out about Henry Ruggs uh, and, and Damon Arnett, for that matter, was going into year two, the importance of both players really being committed to the weight room, really being committed uh, to the nutritional side of things to get bigger and stronger. Uh, what does that lead to? Well, number one, it defends against injuries. You know, you're in a better position to be able to withstand the physicality of professional sports. Uh, but it also helps your confidence. It also helps in Henry Henry's case, um, you know, the explosiveness that you're playing with. Um, and with Henry, you know, his whole game is explosiveness. It is. Um, speed and being able to use that as a weapon, not just by blowing by guys in a straightaway, you know, uh, deep pattern, which he's fully capable of doing. But, you know, when you're running your past patterns, being able to stop on a dime and explode out of it uh, to beat your guy um, in, 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 uh, in, in pass defense, uh, to be able to, when you get the ball in your hands, whether it's in a short space, to boom, like, I, you know, uh, uh, burst and explode um, off of a dime, basically, uh, to get past your defender and, and go get you know 15, 16, 17 yards or whatever the case might be. Um, Henry, last year, you know there were times, and this is not unusual for a rookie player. You're thinking a lot. Your your body might not be where it needs to be. Um, you know, to, to fully maximize all of those things. There was a little bit of a hesitancy sometimes uh, when he got the ball. Um, I, I don't think that that's going to be the case this year. I think you're going to see full throttle Henry Ruggs. And I, and I asked him uh, today uh, on our Zoom talk with him about just how visually he looks bigger and, and what that might mean. And, and here, here's Henry talking about uh, being a little bit bigger this year coming off last year. Uh, yes, that's been that's been one of my one of my main points of emphasis, and I mean it's just just constantly um, just trying to eat all the time, and you know going hard in the weight room, and it's it's been paying off. That's Henry Ruggs talking about um, you know getting in the weight room, eating a lot. Man, I'll tell you what, man, who doesn't want to have that problem, right? <laughs> you know uh, where you can't eat enough. Uh, you know it just because there's certain people. Uh, whose bodies are literally furnaces and doesn't matter how much they eat, they burn it off just by getting back up and, and, and walking away from the table, you know, uh, and, and it's a great thing to, uh, to have as a human being, but when you're a professional athlete, professional football player, and strength and power and all of those things um, are very, very important, well, you have to double it up almost. You have to just go outlandish on your eating. Obviously, it has to be the right kind of food, and that's where the nutritionists uh, come into play. But it's, and I've talked to guys, it can be a chore, man. It can be, um, 
you know, it could get to you after a while having to eat and eat and eat and eat just to keep a certain weight. Um, and that seems to be the case at Henry or, or where Henry Ruggs uh, is right now. But when you look at him, um, you can see that it's paying off. You can see that he's hit the weight room. You can see that he's getting a little bit older. Look at pictures, you know, uh, of, of Michael Jordan, let's say, when he was 21 years old compared to what he looked like when he was, you know, 28, 29, 30 years old. Every, you mature. You get, you know, your body... Uh, adjusts it's it's and you know especially when you now as a professional athlete it's your job and it's 24 7 and you have the best of everything uh, at your disposal including an income uh you know to to be able to invest in yourself in that way let alone the coaching staff and the nutritional staff and uh you know the 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 training staff and the strength and conditioning coach uh and you get on that nfl program and it's gonna, it's going to, uh, it's gonna help. Um, and and if you're devoted, and you can tell, obviously, just look at Henry Ruggs right now. He put the time in, and it should result in a more confident, more explosive, better uh, Henry Ruggs. Uh, and one of, um, you know, uh, one of the areas also where he what a focus point for him was, and this was coming from, you know, the Raiders coaching staff and general Mike, general manager Mike Mayock, uh, was just becoming a better wide receiver and some of the finer points of route running and, and, and securing the ball, coming down with both, both feet. Uh, and that was another focal point uh, so far in the offseason for Henry Ruggs. And here's he, here he is talking about uh, route running and just playing the wide receiver position uh, at a higher level. Uh, well, first it was hot. I can say that, but I mean it's, I mean it's what we do every day. We're in Vegas. We're used to it. So, I mean it's always it's always fun to get out there and run routes and, I mean just get better and, and build that chemistry with the team. By the way, Henry Ruggs was not lying. It was hot. Um, it was really really hot uh, today, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm just gonna say it. I give those guys a lot of credit. Uh, the Raiders had, you know, there were about six or seven guys um, that, that weren't there today. Josh Jacobs wasn't there again today. Yannick Ngakwe wasn't there again today. Quentin Jefferson wasn't there again today. Those are veteran players who it sounds like um, have an understanding with the coaching staff in terms of, hey, you know that I'm putting the work in. It'll all be good. Is it ideal? Probably not. You know, you want all, all, all your players in uh, the building and on the field. Uh, but I think there's a trust level there where uh, all three of those guys are going to be fine. I wouldn't worry about it. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, if you're Raider Nation, don't don't know why Damon Arnett wasn't there, at least out on the field. Uh, Divine Diablo, the um, or Jonathan Hankins wasn't there as well, another veteran player who I'm sure has the confidence of the coaching staff that wherever he is and whatever he's doing, he's taking care of business. Uh, Divine Diablo, the third-round pick from Virginia Tech, uh, was not on the field today. He wasn't on the field last Wednesday uh, as well. I wouldn't be worried about that as well from what I understand uh, and what I've been told, basically. Uh, he's been at the building. Uh, he's, he's participating in the rookie program. He's participating in the off-season program. Uh, he just hasn't gotten on the field. I suspect, I don't know this to be the case for sure, I suspect um, it's probably because he hasn't signed his contract yet. And so, um, you know, uh, totally understandable in that regard. Totally understandable. Now, Malcolm Coons hasn't signed his contract. 
uh, Trayvon uh, Morig hasn't signed uh, his contract yet. Both of those rookie players are out on the field. Um, so everybody has a decision to make. Everybody has a different approach. Um, but, you know, I don't think that there's any, nobody's holding anything against a guy like Divine Diablo. But perhaps, and this might be the case, playing a little, a little bit safer uh, by staying off the field at this point and doing everything else, um, you know, uh, behind the scenes until that contract uh, situation gets uh, resolved. I wouldn't even say that it's an issue. You know, um, you look around the NFL, a lot of guys aren't signed uh, at this time of year. By the way, uh, and we're going to take a break here in just a little bit, but, man, Malcolm Kuntz, Traylon Morig, these guys... Are looking pretty good. Um, you know, Trayvon obviously is a guy that the Raiders have on a fast track to get on the field ASAP. He's going to be the starting free safety. It would be a shock if he wasn't. And you watch this guy uh, operating out there in practice. He looks like an NFL starter right now. Um, and it, we're going to, you know, play some sound from Darren Waller about sort of the calm demeanor, this professionalism uh, that, that, that he has. Uh, it, it really is prevalent. Uh, Malcolm Kuntz, I was able to watch him uh, today. He, he looked like he was kind of, there, there were some uh, drills that he wasn't taking part of. Could be because, again, he hasn't signed his contract yet, so maybe being a little bit careful. But what I did see, what he was participating in, um, he looks really smooth. And that, and that natural pass rush that he has certainly flashes. Uh, they also, there were times where they were using him off the line of scrimmage, you know, lined up uh, in a, in a, in a three-point stance, but then coming off the line, or sometimes even up, up, upright, uh, coming off the edge, but then dropping back in pass coverage. Uh, I also saw Max Crosby doing that a few times. So it might be a little bit different on how those defensive ends are going to be used this year uh, in those roles. Uh, Nate Hobbs, uh, we talked to Trayvon Mullen, and Nate, Nate, he had a lot of good things to say about the young cornerback uh, uh, from Illinois. So keep an eye on Nate Hobbs, I think. Uh, he's come in and, and opened some eyes all, uh, already. So a lot of things to talk about. We want your calls. We want your thoughts. Um, it was a great day today, uh, although it was hot, over at Henderson where you continue to talk about it. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Nevada. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Uh, Foster, it looks, um, I mean, his explosiveness just continues to increase every time, uh, you know, we come back together as a team, you know, just from working with him in the offseason and, you know, he's working hard just like with me, like he's even pushed, like you know, pushing me with the way that he works and with the you know attention to detail that he's been working with this offseason and it's carrying over out here. Um, he looks a lot more fluid and it's just continuing on that path to being the player that I know that he can be and he can be, you know, of an extremely vital component to this offense. And I can't wait to see to see him, you know, expand the routes that he runs and you know the the way that the offensive staff continues to challenge him because you know you can you can never have too many weapons and I feel like Foster, you know can really show the world who he's capable of being this season and uh, can continue to build on top of that. So I'm really excited for him. That's Raiders tight end Darren Waller talking about fellow tight end uh, Foster Moreau. Um, And, you know, I specifically asked uh, Darren that question 
uh, during our Zoom conference call because you know I was watching uh, Foster today uh, at practice, watched him last Wednesday as well. And he's, and he's definitely moving around really, really well. He looks completely healthy coming off uh, the knee injury in 2019. That was a late season knee injury. It takes a little while to come back from that. It takes a little while uh, to get reacclimated to things. Uh, the Raiders created some insurance for that process by signing Darren Waller last year, or excuse me, by, excuse me, by signing uh, Jason Witten last year, the veteran you know presence. It wasn't to take snaps away from Foster Moreau. Uh, trust me when I say this. The Raiders have a plan for Foster Moreau, and it's a very big plan uh, that they have for him. I'm not saying he's going to be Darren Waller. There's He's, he's unto himself. Um, but Foster Moreau is big in the Raiders' plans this year. They just needed him to get completely healthy, and he looks completely healthy now. And um, really believe that he's setting himself up uh, for a really big year. By the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila uh, Embajador, and you know when when Darren Waller is talking about you along those terms, um, it it means something. And he's obviously working with Foster Moreau. Uh, he understands what Foster Moreau uh, is capable of doing, and uh, it'll be interesting uh, to see what kind of role uh, he ends up playing for the Raiders this year. Because again, I, I keep mentioning this. Uh, go back and go on YouTube and check out the um, coaching take that, uh, that John Gruden put out for one of his high school coaching buddies, and he's, there was a segment that he talked about Foster Moreau, and this was done recently, and he had great things to say about Foster Moreau and kind of shared a little bit of the vision that they have uh, for him, so um, it's nice to see Foster back out there healthy, moving around uh, really well. I expect that he's going to have a, uh, a significant role this year. Not quite sure what that's going to look like in terms of numbers, but in terms of impact and playing time, I think you're going to see Foster Moreau uh, blossom. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line to welcome in our good friend, uh, Jesse Merrick from Channel 3, the local uh, NBC affiliate here. You can follow him at Jesse News 3 lv All right, Jesse, uh, you've been here in Las Vegas longer than I have. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how toasty was it today over at uh, the Raiders facility in Henderson, uh, comparatively speaking to uh, maybe some other settings that you've been in over the years? Man, it, it felt like a 13, but in reality, it's probably more like an 8 or so. We're just kind of being big wusses right now, I think, just because we're not used to the heat. We've had a nice little uh, you know, lead up to it, but this is definitely where it really hit us. Um, I, I was feeling it today. I'm not a big shorts guy, and I had to bust out the shorts today because I was like, man, I am not about to wear pants in this heat. And a lot of credit to you know the, the Raiders players, the coaches. They were they were getting after it, uh, you know, um, in spite of that, in spite of that heat. Now, Jesse, remember last year during training camp, which is later on in the summer, which presumably is even hotter than than here in early June. I don't know that to be the case, but uh, I, I, that's usually how it works. That's how it worked in California. But at least at that point, they were practicing at seven a.m. in the morning. Uh, today, the workout started at ten thirty a.m. And uh, I'm wondering if John Gruden might think, at least this week, because it's going to be in the hundreds the rest of this week. I think they have one more day out there uh, tomorrow. But, man, it might be time to switch it to 7 o'clock in the morning. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And I think the players would agree as well. I mean, I can tell you that I was, you know, watching the guys that came out. And Casey Hayward was one of the guys that walked out. And he let out a big, woo, man, it's hot. Like, right as he stepped out of the air-conditioned weight room area as they walk out onto the field. and. I heard multiple times many different guys all say similar stuff as they walked out. So I think it's all kind of hitting them that, oh, wait, we, we live in Vegas now. 
Yeah, and uh, some of it we couldn't share on the radio, of what I heard at least, uh, anyway. But I'll say this: I was saying the exact same thing, so uh, I'm not holding, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not passing any judgment because whatever they were saying, I was saying it uh, just as loudly. Uh, it might have been in my own head, but I was, I was blurting out some of the same things because it really was hot. However, uh, it was a work day, uh, no question about it, and uh, we were out there. We got a good chance to, uh, for about an hour. Uh, watch the Raiders today. Anything that in particular uh, that that stood out for you? For me, honestly, the, the two things I was kind of watching the D linemen just because I always like to see kind of how they come back and everything. And I I, I wasn't able to go last week because I was out of town covering the Knights, but uh, so this was my first time getting out there. And I remember hearing Cleveland Farrell say that he he got bigger, you know, stronger things like that. So I was looking at him. He does look a little thicker, but he looks more athletic in that sense too. You know that he looks lean. I don't know. Lean but rocked up, I guess, is a good way to put it in. I know he said he's trying to get like a little more cut up and everything, but I just was like, I looked at him and I was like, he looks different. Maybe, uh, you know, it's the number 99, all that stuff, but he just looks different. And Max looks a little bit bigger as well, uh, in my mind. You know, he's always been that guy that's kind of a lean, long type of guy. I felt like he kind of bulked up a bit. I will say they were wearing long sleeves, so they're psychos because in that heat wearing that, but... Maybe the uh, sleeves add a little bit more bulk to them. But also that, and then looking at the DBs, because I haven't paying a lot of attention to defense, just like I'm sure everyone is, uh, just the sheer number of them. There's, what, like 18 on the roster. I know a couple of the guys weren't out there today. But that really jumped out to me, and I tried to kind of watch Casey Hayward because I've heard the guys talk about him a lot. And he just seems comfortable. He doesn't seem like a guy. Obviously, he's got the experience in the system and everything. But he doesn't seem like a guy, you know, coming into team, a new team for the first time, all that stuff. He seems like he's kind of fit in seamlessly. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, Hunter Renfro talked about that secondary today. And, and just uh, to kind of uh, summarize, I don't have the full quote in front of me, but the gist of it was that they, they seem more connected. Uh, they seem more um, like in tune with what they're supposed to do. And far too often last year, uh, there were just too many breakdowns in, in the secondary all across the Raiders defense, but specifically that that secondary uh, it just it was unacceptable and it happened too many times and I think that they're you know obviously trying to address it and somebody like Casey Hayward with that veteran presence uh, is able to to you know help in that regard but also and you know we got a chance to talk to Tra- Trayvon Mullen today uh, I think he wants to be a leader out there I know that this is his first year in the system uh, but but after a while you start getting you know better at being able to pick up whatever the new system might be. Uh, I expect him, you know, to, uh, to to grasp it pretty quickly. But then also Trayvon Morg, um, the young safety from TCU, he kind of looks smooth and in charge and in command out there. It just feels like, I don't know, it just, it, the, the whole operation so far, just watching them, it looks just a little bit smoother out there for the, for the secondary. Yeah, it definitely does, and that was I, I kind of asked Waller because I was like, you know, these these offensive players go up against these guys every day when they get together for the team or the seven on seven or one on ones, you name it. And I asked Waller, you know, who some of the guys on the defense were that popped to him, and obviously he said Hayward. He's been a real popular guy with a lot of different guys, but he also noted Merrick as well, and he said that he was kind of had a calm nature to him, and you know that really struck me because you don't get that a lot with a rookie. You know, maybe maybe he's really good and hides his emotions or something, but. You know, a lot of times you hear these rookies come in and they say that they're kind of just treading water, all that stuff. But he said he's kind of come in calm, cool, and collected with this thing and really kind of seems to know what he's doing. Um, and then he obviously he also talked about having Carl Joseph back and how he's putting the work in with him. So I think they've got a good mix of, you know, vets and young guys in that secondary that's interesting. And one thing, too, I mean, you heard guys talk about it, and even when Gus Bradley came in at his press conference, he did say, you know, this system, it's something that, you know, we, we – 
try to do it in a way where it's easier for these young players to pick it up and get out there and succeed, which obviously a lot of coaches are going to say. They're not going to be like, oh, my system is so difficult. No one's going to be able to figure it out. But, you know, you hear that and you hear from other people around the league and stuff that it's a very simple system in the sense that, like, you know what you're going to do. It's not 50 million different things. So I think that's going to help this group out as well. And then, again, everyone is leaning on that, on Casey Hayward, because he's a guy that's got this system down pat after the years that he's had with Bradley. So I think I really do like the mix in the secondary and just the attitude that it kind of seems to be, because Mullen talking about being a leader as well, I think was something that stuck out to me that's it's a huge sign, a good thing that Raider Nation has to be stoked about. Yeah, I picked up on uh, what Darren Waller said about Merrick as well. Um, and it was interesting to me because it was almost um, verbatim what uh, Clee Farrell was saying about Alex Leatherwood last week, about the demeanor, about the understanding, about um, you know, bringing a professional practice uh, work ethic that he has and, and, you know, kind of calm, cool, and collected. And I guess if you're talking about rookies, especially your first-round pick and your second-round pick, that's not a bad start for two of, of rookies that really, honestly, Jesse, the Raiders are, are counting on big times to play big-time roles this year. Yeah, no, they definitely are. You, you need a lot out of those guys because, if we're being honest, those were the two positions that we all went into the draft saying the Raiders need to make sure they address this because they didn't in the offseason. Obviously, they did bring in Carl Joseph, but he's not that guy that's going to be that center fielder type of guy. Uh, so they are counting on Merrick to be that dude, the guy that everybody said when they picked him that this was a great pick, all this stuff that they got a first-round talent in the second round, blah, 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 you name it. We could talk about that sort of blue in the face. So they need a lot from him. And then, again, also Leatherwood, the guy that everybody freaked out about with uh, the reach, all that stuff, whatever you want to say about it. He's a Raider now, though. He's coming in here, and, and guys have been impressed with his attitude. And I think – if you really think about it, think about the program that he's coming from, from Alabama. That's a coaching staff that's going to be as close to his NFL, as, as an NFL staff as you're going to get out of a kid coming out of college. I mean, they're going to maximize the talent that he had. He was an Outland Trophy winner. I mean, the kids played a ton of snaps. So I, I think you, it's good to see that and good to hear that from the players because, look, you may be able to fool media and fans at times about, you know, what type of player you are, things like that, but you're not going to fool the players. Like, players know – you know, if you're a fraud, they're going to know and they're not going to talk about you. They're not going to bring you up. But when you hear other players complimenting these guys and things like that, you're not going to fool those guys. They know if a kid can play or not. And they're going to figure it out pretty quickly whether or not someone's going to be able to make it in this league. And, and to hear a guy like Lee talk about him, I think that's a very good sign. By the way, um, you know, kudos to you for not making that a softball question. You didn't say, hey, how does this guy look or how does that guy look? Because then guys are always obligated to say, oh, they look great. Uh, what are they going to say? No, he looks terrible. No, you you left it open-ended in a way that put it on Darren Waller to come up with guys that he thinks looks pretty good. So that's a veteran move, Jesse. Uh, I really respect it. Just wanted to throw that uh, out to you. Uh, as I was listening on Zoom, I was like, that, that's a good question. I like I like it when it's framed in such a way. So uh, uh, good on you for that. And we are talking to Jesse Merrick from Channel 3, the local NBC affiliate here in Las Vegas. You can follow him at Jesse News 3 lb all right, to the other side of the football, we got a chance to talk to Henry Ruggs. Um, I don't know about you, but he looks bigger to me. Uh, he looks just, the, the body just looks a little bit more mature. That's not unusual going from your first to second year. Uh, but you can see that he's on that little NFL program now, the 24-7 NFL program. But not only that, he's taking advantage of it, and he's putting the work in it. And, and you can visually see that manifesting itself. Uh, in terms of just how he looks physically. Your your first early impressions of Henry Ruggs so far. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on what you said. He does look bigger, and, you know, I, I think I, I popped on the radio when I was driving in today and heard you say, yeah, it's a great problem that he has to, to try and eat everything in sight. That's something I always <laughs> But, uh, you well, know, Jesse, there. you look like you have that uh, affliction as well, and we all hate you for that. I'll but go ahead. I have pretty good metabolism, so I, <laughs> I I'm happy about that. But I don't know. I don't know. If my metabolism is that is that where uh, Russ is at. But uh, <laughs> but I will say he does look a little bit bigger. He's a guy that I think this is the time of year where you're going to see him. Even next year, when we you're not next year, but this this coming year when we get ready to see training camp and everything like that, a guy that comes back and we're going to be like, wow. He got a little rocked up. Like, he does look a lot bigger. Because so this is the time you're going to put that weight on. You're going to be able to feel it out, figure out how to keep that speed while still doing it. He's obviously not going to be some guy that's going to be pushing, like, 220 or 230, anything like that. But he'll be a guy that puts on some weight, and that'll really help him out. Just in the physicality sense of the game, you know, when he's running those underneath routes and doing things like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely can see it a bit. Um, you, you see it more on the arms, the thickness with a guy like that. He's a guy that, you know, he's got got real thin legs he's never going to have a massive trunk if that makes sense uh, i don't think we're going to see that from him but i think you'll see it more in the upper body where you see some of the strength and the size of him and i definitely noticed that uh around the group because you know last year at times i remember looking at him and seeing him next to waller which look waller is a massive human being but you see rugs next to the times and you're like oh man he's really tiny he still doesn't look as big obviously because again it's waller but next to him he doesn't get dwarfed as much as he did uh, last season no question about it. And we talked to Henry, or, uh, Hunter Renfro about Henry Ruggs. Uh, and, you know, he pointed out, um, look, you know, the numbers might not have been there, uh, but in the game within the game, and those of us, and, you know, speaking for Hunter here, uh, who, who understand the game, understood that, uh, you know, Henry had a big impact on the Raiders' offense. Uh, it might not necessarily have, you know, uh, uh, shown up on the, on the box score, but in the whole scheme of things, his speed presence and the way opposing defenses approached that helped other guys and opened up the field for other guys. However, and that's a good thing. We can't overlook that. However, um, he was the 12th pick overall, right? The 12th pick overall uh, for a reason. And uh, production-wise, individual production-wise, I think that's the next level that he has to get to. And Jesse, you look at his numbers last year, 26 catches, 452 yards. That's a healthy 17.4 yards uh, per catch, two touchdowns. He had nine rushes for 49 yards. Uh, is it outlandish or completely nuts on my part to think that he can double up those catches? I mean, obviously, a lot of it's going to be on how many more targets he gets. He got 43 targets last year. So if that increases, there's no reason to think that he can't be above 50 catches. Uh, and if the same, you know, uh, yardage carries over. Now you're talking about above 900 yards, and all of a sudden you're getting closer to that magical 1,000-yard uh, plateau um, and, and maybe that 60, 70 catch plateau. But for him to double that up, that would be pretty big for him. Is that possible, do you think? I think that'd be big, and I don't think that's possible just based off of the way this Raiders offense is going to be. I don't think that outside of Waller and – feeding Jacobs, I don't think that there's anybody that they're going to feed the ball to that often um, in terms of to be able to spread it around to other guys as well. You know, because Waller, his touches, we keep hearing about Moreau, what's his, uh, you know, his availability going to be in the passing game. You've got Brian Edwards, and they signed um, uh, the two different receivers. you got Brown and Willie Sneed as well. I mean, there's a lot of mouths to, to feed in this one. Then you can go and bring in Kenyon Drake as well. And we heard last year Josh Jacobs talk about wanting to catch the ball in the backfield. I believe he said 60 catches was what he was going for. Um, so with that, I mean, I think it should be doable 100%. 
I just don't know that it will be the way they're going to want to run this offense. You know, we always hear about how they want to be that 22 personnel, 21 personnel, whatever it is, and, and, you know, run the football. I just don't know that the looks are going to be there for Ruggs. So I think we have to kind of temper the expectations numbers-wise, which, again, at the end of the day, look, you've got to produce. This is the NFL. That's, that's the name of the game. But I think you've got to liken it a little bit more to, you know, the impact that he does have on the game. Because I, I kind of look at two things when I'm talking about Ruggs. I go back to the Chiefs games. Um, I remember Andy Reid saying, you know, they've got a good three-headed attack, and one of the guys that he mentioned in there, along with Waller and Jacobs, was Ruggs. So clearly he's got the respect of coaches around the league, and that was unprompted. And then the other thing I kind of look at it is look at Reggie Bush back in the day, and I'm not trying to say he and Reggie Bush are the same player, but they're similar in the sense where a defense has to account for him. So many people called Reggie Bush bust. In my mind, he was not a bust because you look at what he did defensively and the bind that put teams in, what they have to kind of pay attention to, and the way that it did open stuff up for other guys. That that is a massive weapon to have on your team because it's somebody you have to account for. You have to know where he's at at all times because if not, he's going to make you pay. But the 52 catches, we'll see. I, I think maybe it could be kind of close to that. I, I'd be looking more around like the 40-45 range. So about about 45 catches. About how many yards would you say? Let's see. You said 452 is what he had? Yep. I can see, like, the number that just popped in my head was 680. I don't know that I have any reason behind that. 680 just popped in my head. 680. <laughs> Getting specific. I love it. 680. Yeah, yeah you know, I, that, I'm, I'm all right. Um, we'll see. And and I, I think that that would, that would obviously represent a step in the right direction because you're right. Uh, I'm completely with you on the Reggie Bush comp in terms of the impact uh, that that Reggie had in terms of how defenses had to account for him, um, and I think the trick with somebody like a Reggie Bush and a uh, and, and a Henry Ruggs is while they're tremendous as somebody that you know you'd line them up here, you line them up there, and the team you know the, the defense has to be aware of it, and it changes sometimes you know what they're doing defensively, and as a result that helps your offense in other areas, but. It's still incumbent, I think, on John Gruden now and Derek Carr uh, and whatever the combination of that uh, is. He needs to get 10 to 11, I think, anyway, a good 10 to 11 targets touches uh, per game. It, it, somehow, some way, however you want to um, you know, uh, count that up, whether it's on kickoff returns or punt returns or you know, touches in the pass game, touches in the running game. If you can get it up to about 10 or 11, I think he's got a chance in that volume to make two or three big plays, important plays in a game. And I think maybe that's who Henry Ruggs could be at least this year. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. That's what it should be. That's just kind of where I think, I don't know that it will be, but yeah, I think if you take a guy 12 overall, you got it. You got to utilize it at the end of the day. And like you said, it is on John Gruden, this coaching staff to get the guy involved. And I, I would like to see, you know, we hear John Gruden talk about the Joker position that can kind of do a little bit of everything, and that's where we kind of anticipate Kenyon Drake being. Well, why not make Ruggs more of that kind of role as well? Have the guy lined up in the backfield at times. Obviously, you're not going to have him run power, but, I mean, get him in there where he can be a bit of a scat back look at times, things like that. You know, uh, I think it would be interesting to see him in those roles and get him more touches that way to manufacture and just throw different looks at the defense um, with the personnel that you've got. So I agree with you that, look, you take a guy 12th overall, you definitely got to utilize him more. You got to figure out a way to get the ball in his hands because if he's as explosive as you say he is, and if you chose him over the other receivers that were on the board, you obviously thought there was something there. So you got to get him involved more. But I'll be real curious to see what the catch total and yardage and touchdown totals, all that stuff, actually turns out to be next year. 
All right, Jesse, before we let you get out of here, I got to ask about tonight, um, the Golden Knights uh, in game two against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, do the Golden Knights get it back on track tonight? Man, I think they have to. And I'm not like a drastic, like, oh, the sky is falling type of guy. But I think if even if they lose a close game tonight, I think it's like, oh, man, like, you know, Colorado's got your number, whether it's Flurry or Leonard. And the first game was not Leonard's fault. Flurry would have lost with the way the team was playing in front of them. But having said that, I think this is kind of one of those must-win games. You do that, it completely changes the narrative, and you've kind of stolen home ice back in this series if you get the win there in Colorado. So I think I hate even attaching must-win to game two in a possible seven-game series. But to me, you've got to get the win here just to get some good mojo going before you come back to the Fortress with a full-capacity crowd, which is going to be nuts. Absolutely. Well, we will see, uh, and uh, it'll be—it's a crucial game, uh, game two, whatever. Uh, they gotta—they gotta figure out a way to uh, get out of Colorado with either a win or just get some momentum uh, building back, uh, heading back home to Las Vegas. Jesse Merrick, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Always a pleasure. Always love your uh, insight. Um, you know, jump in a cool shower or ice bucket, something uh, to cool off because it's a hot one here in Las Vegas. But uh, appreciate the time, my friend. Of course, man. Always love talking to you. Have a good one. You got it. That's Jesse Merrick from Channel 3, NBC affiliate here in Las Vegas, talking about the Raiders and about uh, what seems to be, feels like, a must-win for the Golden Knights uh, tonight. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monster, brought to you by Tequila Nevada. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Right back out to the Raider Nation listener line. We got Raider 27 who wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Raider 27? Hey, Vinny. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. Trying to cool down. It's hot. It's, it's hot here in Las Vegas. Hot. It's pretty hot here. It's all it's all the way up to 84 today. Oh, where are we, Raider 27? Where are we talking? I'm, uh, I'm just south of Salt Lake City at almost 6,000 feet. Okay, all right. Okay, maybe i got to get up to Utah. Cool off a little hey, bit. It's beautiful here, man. If you ever get a chance to make a trip to northern Utah or Utah in general, you should. This is the most beautiful place on the planet. All right, I've been there. I, I, it is. It really is very picturesque and beautiful. So, might take you up on that offer. Hey, listen, Vinny. I um, I've been watching a lot of 49ers tape the last few days. Um, the all twenty two on the NFL Game Pass, mm-hmm. and I've been watching them to get an idea of what we should see on our defense because that's the basic defense that Gus Bradley. And uh, Pete Carroll put together in um, Seattle. Yep. It's basically the same thing. Soleil's a little bit more aggressive in how he does a few things, but it's basically the same thing. And I noticed a few things. One of the things I noticed was when the Raiders drop back in the zone, they're standing in place waiting. When the 49ers drop back in their zones in the Colts, they're moving towards where the ball they think the ball is going to come. They don't always guess right, but they guess wrong almost always, all the time. But they're moving. They're not standing still. So if the receiver comes into their area, they're already running. It's easy for them to catch up. And it seems like most of the time, they're where the ball ends up when they start running. 
So, and it's really exciting the way that defensive backs cover. It's pretty easy. It looks like it's going to be easy for our cornerbacks and our safeties to learn what to do. But what I really noticed was I was what you have to watch the offense too to get to the defense, and I don't like to fall for We drafted um, Alex Leatherwood, and I was actually calling him by a different name online because I didn't understand. But when I saw how the 49ers were running that outside zone, the 49ers' right tackle was so mobile, and I don't know who he is. He was so mobile. I mean, they're out there, and they're creating holes that I can gain five yards. I'm, I'm 64 years old and weigh a whole lot more than I should. <laughs> and it just made me stop and think, about how the Raiders are drafting and that how the Raiders are picking their players. Their last couple, three drafts, they've been drafting cover three players, the last, at least last year's draft. And I think they knew this, this was coming, and I think they had a defensive coordinator, uh, either Gus Bradley or one of that type, planned. I, think, I don't think any of this is an accident. I think they've had this plan. And the more I watch all 22, the more I'm like, you know what? Mike Mayock and John Gruden are not as stupid as Twitter thinks. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the call, uh, Ray Trey Seven. Uh, trust me, they're not they're not stupid. And uh, Gus Bradley, I think if you go all the way back to when John Gruden uh, took over this job, I think that if you if you were to inject John Gruden with some truth serum, um, uh, you know, uh, he's not trying to throw anybody under the bus at this point. But I, but I think that. Gus Bradley is who he had in mind from the very beginning. Gus Bradley was under contract, obviously, uh, with the San, or the Los Angeles Chargers. It didn't work out, but it has worked out now. Uh, and there is a plan in how they're drafting. And yes, that outside zone run is a huge reason why Alex Leatherwood uh, is here. Uh, we've said this quite often. You know, the outside world looks at teams from a helicopter, and they go from one team to the next to the next, and they briefly take a look from, from way up top uh, and make their assessment. And, and they even when it comes to the draft, you got to understand that John Gruden and Mike Mayock and the staff and the coaches and the scouts, they've been looking at that. They looked at that thing with a fine-tooth comb, drilling and drilling and drilling to the middle of the earth on these guys, specifically looking at things from their lens, their, their system, their scheme, their coaches, their preferences, all of that to fit what they do. So um, it's kind of crazy to me uh, that, that that people would, you know, kind of criticize not really knowing um, what the Raiders are looking for in, in the way that they're looking for it. And that goes for all the teams across the NFL. They might not get it right. It might, you know, Alex Leatherwood might not pan out. Um, but but the thought process is sound. And really that's, you do that more often than not, more often than not, you're going to start hitting on on players, and I, I it's to me that 2020 draft. It's way too soon to call it one way or another. Uh, it could shape up really well if some players take a big step forward this year, which they're fully capable of doing. When we get back on the other side, take some more calls. I know Mitch from New Jersey is holding. I'll get to you. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back at it. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bajador. You're in the huddle.